following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? This is Media Match, a roundtable of Cowboys insiders dropping wisdom and offering sizzling takes on the current state of your Dallas Cowboys. Now your host, Steve Dennis. Well, hello again, Cowboys Nation, and all you individuals that make it great, especially especially you smart ones that have found us, Media Mash, here at 4 o'clock on this Thursday. We are live from the SWBC studio every Wednesday and Thursday at 4 o'clock, and we're so glad you're with us. Tell all your friends. My name is Steve Dennis, joined today by, we're just a threesome today, not a foursome. Nick Eatman had something pressing uh, I bit, thought media mesh was pressing. Yeah, it's a good point. So you say we should be mad at Nick. Yep. We're devastated, as discussed. <laughs> devastated. We are devastated. Mashoda, you devastated? Nope. <laughs> Mashoda's ready to roll. Well, I mean, that, I did the show the other day, and he got to yell over Clarence all the time, so... I kind of like this. Just a little Three's more, a little more casual. A little bit more talk. I've I got more experience yelling over Clarence. Twenty four years of it, and I never lost those battles. I can out <laughs> yell. Impressive. Well, he's tough though. I, I should maybe rethink that. Uh, Jory Epstein from USA Today is sitting right here, and of course John Mashota uh, from the Athletic and his podcast. Name of your podcast again? About them Cowboys. About them Cowboys. I listen to every episode. <laughs> We appreciate that. <laughs> I, I've listened a couple of times. I, I don't know if I believe that you're telling the truth on that every episode. No, well, you can that. ask, John. I'll be like, okay, yeah. so then the way you signed off this time relative to the way you signed off last time, I'm an avid fan. Mm-hmm. All right. It's good to have that in your corner, Mashoda. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, all right. Uh, uh, we got a lot to get into in this hour. Uh, we will talk about kind of an interesting reaction inside the building to the Jalen Smith release. Um, wondering if it is something to be concerned about or just a little lashing out. We'll get into that. Uh, Dak's anniversary from a year ago. Got to talk about that. Got to talk about Dak's dominance over the Giants, maybe the Giants in general. Uh, our first topic coming, but first, is it true, both of yous, that as soon as it was brought up to Dak today, the backdrop tried to hurt him at his news conference today. It fell on him. Was the timing of that correct? The question was about the anniversary and the backdrop then hit him? We can confirm. The first question, David Moore of the Dallas Morning News was like, look, we know you buried the injury mentally, but it's the year anniversary. We need to ask about it. Starts to ask, and this like gust of wind comes, and the backdrop starts falling on Dak. I mean, uh-huh. it's, it's not a heavy backdrop, but it was absolutely collapsing on him. And Dak, who's already a little superstitious, was like, it's an omen. We're not talking about it. I saw a picture. Kudos to Archer for jumping up quickly to try to save the day. Where were you two? The thing weighs nothing. If it would have fell on him, he would have literally just been like pushed it back, and that would have been it. It's not like it's this heavy backdrop that it would have knocked him to the ground or something. What did I say yesterday? It's just bad karma to talk about it. They should just let it, the whole angle. And then, of course, Dak had to talk about it, and it's good stuff. McCarthy had a great, I just called him McCarthy. I hope he doesn't mind that. It's better than Mike. There's a lot of Mikes around here. Fewer without Nolan, but still a lot. I never called Jason Garrett, though. I called him Jason. But it, could I call- be a nor- it could be a northern thing because most people, most of my friends back home call me Mashoda. And yeah. when Michael Gelkin 
uh, messed up his question the other day. He started by saying McCarthy, and McCarthy said, oh, I feel like I'm back in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I heard that. I'm back in so Pittsburgh. It might be the last I time. do that with dudes. I would never call uh, – actually, Jane Slater is one of the rare ones. I worked with her. I called her Slater Jane. But normally I call guys by their last name and women by their first names. Okay. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't call either. my, but then again, I call my wife Corrado, which is her last name. Hmm. You don't call me by my last name. I call you rookie. Always See? will. Always will. Twenty three years. Right no respect. <laughs> That's Chris Beam. He's the producer of this show. He's a producer of every single podcast on DallasCowboys.com. If you hear that voice, Chris Beam. But to me, he's rookie. Okay. Uh, injury front, uh, just to get this out of the way, looks good for Zeke and Amari. Back in practice, limited. Looks like they're going to play. Giants have similar news with Andrew Thomas, their left tackle, and Leonard Williams, their defensive end. Maybe not so much with Sterling Shepard, but we'll see. All right. Let's get started. Topic number one. It's the end of four weeks. It worked better with the foursome. It all worked together better, but we can make it work with the threesome. We got four big things. Four big things that we need to discuss, or can discuss, don't really need to, uh, but they have sort of come up after four weeks to mash around. So let's do it. You guys ready? Let's go. Ideas, questions that seem to have come up nationally and locally. Topic number one, Dak Prescott as an MVP candidate already after four games. Yeah, I'll give you the odds in a minute because Vegas lays odds on everything, including how often Jory listens to your podcast. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> there's a clear bet on that one. <laughs> that's that's a slam dunk. Uh, so, uh, first thoughts on all the talk already about Dak being in the MVP conversation. Yeah, I mean it's completely legitimate. I mean it really has. It almost comes down to just like. Tell me the team that has the best record, and I'll tell you who wins MVP, and it's the quarterback of that team. I mean, if you look at the teams right now that have the chance to have the best record in the NFL, the, the starting quarterback for that team is probably going to get it. it. Might be Tom Brady, might be Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott. If the Cowboys roll off like 14 wins, Dak Prescott's getting MVP. And it, as crazy as this sounds, because I tweeted something about Dak and MVP or something, and someone responded like something like, Oh, I don't even think he's the MVP right now of the team. I think that's Trayvon Diggs. Okay, so Trayvon Diggs right now, if he follows the same path he's on right now, he'll get 21 interceptions this season. If he gets 21 interceptions this season, the Cowboys obviously will win a lot of games. We'll say that they win 14 games. Dak will still get MVP over him, even yeah. even with a crazy number like 21 interceptions. Because as the old Randy Galloway used to say, it's all about the quarterback. Well, you just said that you are going to say the odds. I bet you the top 10 guys are all quarterbacks. Uh-huh. It got, might even be more I've than I've got them written down right here. In that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I got the seven, and they're all quarterbacks. Yeah, and I think the key word here is candidate. That is he the the MVP of the 2021 season, hands down? No, but that's why you play 13 more games. Um, but I think he's absolutely a candidate. I think he's playing really smart football. He's playing productive. He's efficient. His completion percentage, and he's leading these guys to victory and I mean, you'll see guys around the league saying, like, it was really clear how much the Cowboys needed Dak last year and how much this flipped around is in large part because of what he's doing. This was such a discussion when they were both rookies in 2016, and I was on the Deeks. The, the Deke. We used to say that a lot in 2016, oh, yeah. by the way. Deke, what? Yep. Uh, I was on the Zeke side. Is it Zeke? Is it Dak? When I they was were, too. When they were rookies. I was too. I was on the Zeke side. And Including I, I was surprised being, being in front of the stage when they announced – 
like who was rookie of the year, I was stunned that it was that it was Me Dak too. and not Zeke. And Dak was spectacular. Yeah, no, I have no issue with that, for, but I just thought for sure it would be Zeke. And and I'm wondering if that's going to hurt Dak again because Zeke is kind of doing Zeke's old things here after four games. Well, here's the key. The run piece. game is so good. The key piece in this is like, okay, so right now I'd say the front runner without looking is probably Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray puts up just gross video game numbers. And Plus let's say, 500 in Vegas. So he let, is the favorite. So let's just say he keeps doing that. Okay, yeah, if they win 14, 15 games, I could see him being the MVP. But again, if Dak Prescott leads this team to 14 or 15 wins, they have the most wins, it's going to be real easy to compare how awful the team was last year without him. Right. And, and, and it's the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sorry, no offense to the Arizona Cardinal fans out there. Mm-hmm. But like, if the Cowboys do that, Dak's going to win MVP. Right, because it's most valuable player, not most productive player, most talented player. And I think, like John is saying, we were able to see what this team had without him, which thus means we can contrast the value with him. And on top of that, the same way that I'm not saying that Pro Bowl isn't a legitimate honor, it is in almost all cases— But there is a popularity contest aspect to all of this and a storyline contest aspect to all of this. And knowing what Dak came back from personally, Mm -hmm. in addition to what the Cowboys did, is going to help his chances. Will it give it to him all right? No, but it's going to be a factor. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. Uh, Right now, he's second in the league in completion percentage of 75.2, third in passing touchdowns with 10, uh, scoring 30 points per game, third in total touchdowns with 16, fourth in passer rating at 116.9. Here is the list. Kyler Murray's the favorite, Josh Allen second, Mahomes, Herbert, Brady, then Dak. So he's sixth right now. But again, he only he only passed for 188 yards last game in a game where they scored 36. But he threw four touchdowns. Yeah. That's pretty good efficiency. <laughs> 14 completions, four um, touchdowns. Was that right? 14? I mean, his numbers No. His numbers his rookie year didn't exactly blow you away. He didn't. He wasn't throwing three, four hundred yard games, and he won rookie of the year. At the end of the day, it'll come down to how much they win. I'm sorry, I'm being thrown off by this, but is the O on your laptop the Ohio State logo? Right here, you mean? <laughs> you need help, Steve. That's just <laughs> my my daughter. Can you show that to the camera? Turn it around. <laughs> my daughter has one of those too. Uh, can you? This, this is special. Whoa! This yeah, is the O. Special. It's Block O. We call it Block O. I mean, look like. As a University wow. of Texas grad, I understand school spirit. Wow. We don't have Longhorn keys. Well, the, get one. This was my you daughter's idea. We were at a gift shop uh, next to the Varsity Club at the Wisconsin game two years ago. Her first game at the shoe when she was meeting with all the bigwigs of the School of Business. So we were doing our recon two year, a year and a half in advance. Uh, but anyway, she saw these and wanted them. So we got them and... Look at you. There you, you know, I mark all my... Do you my... ever just put it on another key and see what happens? <laughs> see if it doesn't type it O? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, I mark all my golf balls with a block O. I just take a red thing and I circle the number. That's block I th- O. I think you need an H also. He puts it on the L a lot. No, no, this is block O. That's what we are, block O. The students sit in the block O section. Block O is a thing. But if you're in Columbus, and, and especially on, on game day... Everybody's just yelling OH everywhere. So you could have an H in there, too. Do you know the truth of that real quick? See, I'm not the one that talks Buckeyes. You made me talk Buckeyes. but It's you're one only, of my favorite college football experiences. Saturday in Columbus is about great. as good as it gets. You only say I-O back if you are a fellow alum. 
Okay, I didn't know that. The OHIO is only for alumni. So do we just leave you hanging on the OH? Is that if you're not an alumni, you don't say I O. All right. That's what an alumni says to a no longer say to another alum. O H I O, (laughs) and that's all. You know that you share that. All right. Top. So most of the players that go there never say I.O. Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> I feel like Zeke could settle this for us. That is. That, get Zeke in here. Zeke. He's not going to say I.O. though. <laughs> but yeah. he came in here. Amari was over there last time we were recording. It's possible. Why do you got to bring up Alabama? We were having a fun little Ohio State talk. Anyway, let's go to topic number two. Uh, is everybody ready to say... The Cowboys' offensive line is completely dominant again. Yes. I think that they are dominant. I think that Zach Martin is playing like an all-pro player. Tyron Smith is too, and although I think he was still playing at a really high level in 18-19, early 2020, the neck injury was clearly affecting him, and I think when he tells us he's healthier and happier than he's been in years, it's illustrated on the field. I think their interior line, the center left guard, is not the strongest part. Um, But I think at right tackle, Terrence Steele is holding his own. And I think what Kellen is doing, bringing Connor McGovern in for these jumbo packages, especially in the end zone, is effective. So do I think that it's flawless? No. But do I think it's dominant? Yes. And I think that the defenses would tell you that, too. And Cowboys players have been telling us, look, we are seeing that we might be a little bit tired on this tempo, but look at the defensive line putting their hands on their knees, panting in the middle of the game, and that's how we know this is working. Yeah, I'd say I'm a little concerned about the interior. I mean, I do think, like I told you yesterday, I do think that they are the key for this team's success. Um, It is interesting that Mike McCarthy said that Connor McGovern was getting more work at center, and he's he's improved, and and he's looking good Speed him up. Speed him up. (laughs) My, My biggest thing on that is... If you're going to go in that direction, do it pretty soon. Because I do believe in the continuity of an entire five. And if you're not going to do that, then just stick with Tyler Biotis for the entire season. Let them build their continuity together. Unless he's just getting destroyed, then obviously you have to make that change. But, like, yeah, Tyler Biotis, other than the fact that he went to Wisconsin, that's that's the only thing that's in common with Travis Frederick. They're not the same player as much as you know people wish they were. Um, so I don't think this offensive line is as dominant as that one was. But it's it's pretty... The, for the, through these f- first four games, three of which not having Lyle Collins, it's been pretty impressive. And the fact that you get Lyle Collins back, you have Connor McGovern, you know, Terrence Steele has exceeded everybody's expectations. Uh, and they have a chance to absolutely be don- dominant. All right, a couple of thoughts. When you've got Tyron and you've got Zach, that's kind of all you need for a line to be dominant, in my opinion. <laughs> if they're playing at the top of their game and they're helping those next to them like they can there's very few lines that ha- that have two surefire Hall of Famers like that. No, anyway. but, but most of them will have, even with those two guys, the other three guys that are in there with them are generally with them for the majority of the season. True. It's not piecing guys in they and out. Together, they stick together, right. Together. And now the Biotish thing, and because he went to Wisconsin, because Wisconsin knows how to turn out centers. For sure. Um, I thought he would be better than he's showing this year. I thought he was pretty good last year, but... Uh, I think one of the things we do in this business is we listen to what everybody says and you start to connect dots. And I think you can connect the dot when the head coach is talking about we got to find a way to get Connor, Connor McGovern on the field and they're doing it in a fullback position and your center's playing bad. <laughs> and now he's getting reps at center. Connect the dots. McGovern's going to be their center very soon. 
uh, you would think that that, but uh, but here's my the only reason why I can't say that I definitely think that's going to happen is because how come he wasn't getting the two reps? How come Connor Williams was getting those? I feel like that they feel Connor Williams is closer to being that guy, and they would move him into center, uh-huh. and then Connor McGovern to left to guard. left guard. All right, uh, uh, good talk. That's the offensive line. They're playing really well. Zach is playing out of his mind, but that's normal. All right, topic number three. We got a couple more. We got to zip through this a little bit. Uh, Zeke and Pollard, the duo. That everybody's been talking about. Everywhere I go with the huge gang of fellas I hang out with, all ages. Huge gang. Well, we have a giant club, so there's like 1,000 members. You know, so Steve I, has a lot of friends. And I know a lot of wow. them. Wow. And we, uh, young and old. Uh, it, they will not let this discussion go. Everybody has an opinion on this. Uh, I'm hitting balls the other day, and three guys on the practice tee are talking about that. they got to get Pollard the ball more. They will not let it go. I'm asking the question, is it a major plus after four games, Zeke and Pollard, and shouldn't we leave it alone in terms of a problem for discussion? Yeah, absolutely. Steve, the only people that should be upset about this are the people that have Ezekiel Elliott in their fantasy league, you know? (laughs) That's right. And... And they need to get over it. Right. Get Pollard on your team, and if something happens, you got both of them. But no, those are the only people, because... And I hate to keep bringing this one up because so many people use this example, but like it worked just fine with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. And I'm not saying that those are the two exact same guys, but they there's been plenty of teams. It's it, it's working fine in Cleveland right now. Like I just think that people in general, myself sometimes included, like drama, and they don't want these two guys to be like buddies and stuff. Like the like Cowboys fans are probably fine with it, but like people on the outside are like, oh, let's see this rivalry here. The guy that's getting all the money, and then this this young guy, this young kid who actually is breaking bigger runs, why doesn't he get out there more? But I don't, behind the scenes, with the team, between those two guys, I have never once sensed any animosity between the two of them, ever. That's the greatness of Zeke. Zeke, don't underestimate what a team guy Zeke Elliott is. He always has been. Yeah, I think absolutely. Also, again, not that 17 games is like this massive. You're not doubling the length of the season, but this is a long season. It was long at 16. Zeke's not old, but he's older. And both he and Tony are allowed to be more fresh and just able to be more maximally efficient with their carries because they're staying fresh throughout the game. So, yes, there might be friends at bars who are upset about this, but inside the building, as John said, no one is upset about this. They love this. The offensive line is able to protect for them and block for them and create the lanes for them in different ways and it's a really effective recipe. And like I've said a million times, that's my running back. Win me a national title, you're my running back for life. People don't understand how good he is. He is a tough inside runner. He is the physical tone of the Dallas Cowboys offense. Pollard is not ready to be that, or maybe he will never be that. Uh, But then you look at the numbers, Zeke's averaging 5.3, Per carry, Pollard 6.8. 5.3 is fine for your main running back. 64 carries for 342 yards for Zeke. 37 carries for 250 for Pollard. And then the receiving, 7 for 53 for Zeke. 7.6 average. 8 for 65 for Pollard. 8.1 average. They're both doing their jobs. Absolutely. And I think going back to their run game and what the type of runner that Zeke is, I don't know if y'all saw the the clip of uh, Chargers coach Brandon Staley going around the internet and basically just him talking about how key the run game is for the passing game, not only because of the balance it creates, but because of how much it wears down a defense, requires certain tackling, requires certain blocking. And I think that that is 
one of the differences in Zeke and Tony typically how they run is that it's going to wear down a defense a lot more to have to defend Zeke and try and stop him up the middle than it is getting a quick tackle on on Tony or on the perimeter. And I asked Mike McCarthy about that today, and that's and he's like, yeah, I think this is a big part of our success right now that physicality. I um, I got a kick out of Staley's comment. A lot of people on Twitter are going crazy over that, and I've always like Bill Parcells would never even waste everybody's time with that comment because he would think it was a given. <laughs> these, I liked the. I oh, the I love it too. I love it. But I these think young an old coaches, Bill Parcells wouldn't. But a younger Bill Parcells that was dealing with, dealing during the Twitter age. Right. That's what he's doing. He's putting that out there, or I shouldn't say because Brandon Staley's not doing it, but people are putting it out there because it goes against what the analytics and everybody that is into all yes. the new style of football throw it around. It's not as sexy as the throwing the football all, all over the field, throw it fifty times, whatever. So yeah, him him saying that is just like especially with former players, they're just like. Thank you. This yeah. is what we're talking about. My point exactly. The young coaches, and Staley's awfully young, they want to say stuff like that. First of all, let everybody know what they know about the game when they're right. right. And he is right. And it was stated beautifully. But, uh, yeah, also to protect football. This is what is – see, Parcells would hear that and roll his eyes. Really? Like, like, like we don't all know that? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I love the comment. How are you going to feel about uh, Dak in the red zone, let's say inside the five – either coming off the field or going out wide and Zeke being in Wildcat with Tony Pollard next to him because that's going to happen. I just I, – I, I'll never forget going to – I was at the Pro Bowl when uh, when, when it was the Cowboys coaching staff there, and, it, and that was the first time when it was like Kellen Moore was going to be a play caller. So Jason Garrett let him call the plays. I'll never forget him doing – Yeah, that was rough. He, he had it – was, it was rough, but I'll never forget he had Zeke in the Wildcat during like one play. And I'm just like, after seeing that play last week where he pitched to, to mm-hmm. Tony, now that was with Dak on the field. But, I mean, don't sleep on that Wildcat in, in, yeah. the, in the red right. zone. Uh, topic number four we're going to skip. We'll, we'll get to it another day. But uh, just to tease you, why is everybody so hard on Coach McCarthy? That's what I wanted to discuss. We'll skip that today don't want to get no, let's any, get in no, don't want to get anybody in trouble anyway uh we're going to get to our second topic uh on this thursday with jory and mishota and that is the the kind of odd reaction about the jalen smith release by two players inside the building i think it's a good discussion let's uh hear some sound on it some comments on it and mash it up next on media mash Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. 
Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. To Media Mash. Welcome back to Media Mash on this Thursday. Cowboys getting set for the New York Giants. We'll talk a little bit about the Giants. Uh, what a big kind of uh, remembering weekend this is for Dak, and he's been asked about it. Had a backdrop of his news conference attack him when he tried to answer it today. We'll get into that next. Uh, but right now, I, I and I'm Steve, by the way. Jory's here from USA Today. She We're going to talk about the piece that she wrote today, too, that is interesting about a friend that Dak made because of that injury. Uh, he actually plays for the Giants. That's coming up, too. John Michelda from The Athletic is here. I want to get into this. You guys might not even like doing this. I love these kinds of discussions. Uh, always have. Uh, Jalen Smith got released this week. He has since signed with Green Bay. And by the way, as rookie, Chris Bean pointed out yesterday when the show was over, he won't have to spend a dime for number nine. Nobody wears number nine for Green Bay. He got it. Yeah, I just saw he got that on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. It's going to save him tons of money this time. I don't know. I think that's more what we call a sunk cost than saved money. Yeah. See, I'm not a financial guy. <laughs> Jory <laughs> is. Jory. <laughs> Jory, expand on that sunk cost thing. <laughs> he has already paid out the 54 for the Cowboys, and he's not getting that money back. He's not getting it back. And uh, was it worth it four weeks or longer? He wore nine start and win. Was it OTAs or was it after that? Anybody uh, remember? It yeah, it, ha- it happened in May. I remember okay. writing that story in May. All right. Uh, two linebackers. Uh, have reacted uh, a little oddly to the Jalen Smith. Uh, oddly's probably not right, but uh, the, the reaction to Jalen being released is not that big a deal to most fans and everybody, really, it, because the writing was on the wall. They didn't want to pay nine million if he got hurt. We all get all that. It seemed like it was going to happen. And if he's not going to be on the field, why would you make him stay here and ride the bench if he if he can get a gig somewhere else, which he did? Uh, so I don't see this as being, oh, my gosh, what a reaction to this news. But all of a sudden, Leighton Vander Esch and Micah Parsons, are the two guys who were affected the most by it, really, are reacting maybe more than everybody else. Uh, and I want to throw this around. Let's hear from Leighton Vander Esch yesterday uh, doing his media duties. He threw this out. What bugs me most about it is when people that are on the outside, fans, whatever it may be, they want to say, oh, like someone deserves this or someone deserves that, everything. They don't realize that this is literally like our livelihoods. We literally could get up and trade the next morning, like the next day. We could be in 50 different freaking states. So people need to realize that. People need to realize that what they're saying is literally just like nonsense. And I think that's a big problem in the world today. And they need to cut that out. Because, I mean, we're literally talking about like 
we don't go talking about someone else's job, so why are they talking about our jobs? Uh, as a lifelong member of the media, at the end, actually, I'll start crying. Don't get me into that. But the end of my lifelong job in the media, um, this bothers me. Players, players that talk like that don't get it. Uh, they just don't get it. Um, they're, they're not like people with normal jobs. And people with normal jobs do have to move sometimes uh, out of the blue, get stationed somewhere else, get relocated, blah, blah, blah. And they don't make the kind of money you make. And the fans pay your salary. So don't ever get, a, don't ever get on the wrong side of the fans or the media. And this is the first time Van Der Esch has ever kind of showed this. True? So, I don't know if it's the first time. Uh, the media is certainly not his favorite thing. Um, and I, He opened up our training camp press conference by saying, don't ask any ridiculous questions today. And we were like, what's a ridiculous question? He told us he would let us know if we asked one, which we didn't. Oh man, I would. I well, would, even before in the, my day, I would have had a lot of fun with that. Well, even before this <laughs> this one yesterday, he said, "Why are you guys all coming over here? Go over there." Like to other players that were talking. So, I just i I know where you're coming from, Steve. And I, do I agree with him a hundred percent? No, I I think some of the stuff he make he makes a good point on. The only thing I will say though is that it's hard for like you to compare yourself to Leighton Vanderesh. Because of one age and two, like you've worked a lot of different jobs. Like this is all he's done. So that's gonna be his perspective. Like, is that he doesn't know like about, you know, like grinding on some of the jobs you've worked on in your life and things like that. I think you were attacking how many times I've been fired in my life. That was rude of you, but how continue. Many? But but I think that people forget sometimes like how young that these guys are. Four solid. Four solid bootings. And so when he's your age, he might have a different take on it. But as of right now, you know, that's the way he feels, and he's entitled to that opinion, even if people don't agree with it. Um, but I would say that another thing that I wanted to hit on, though, too, is the other part about it right now that's different from when, you know, you were covering the team all the time is that you say that, like, that Micah said this and Leighton said that. Well, you got to remember, these are the players that are being brought to us. We're not in the locker room where we True. can just go and grab somebody. And who knows who would have had what to say and who might have been. There might have been a backup linebacker that doesn't really put, could have been, you know, Luke Gifford or somebody that had something really strong to say too. But Luke Gifford's not getting brought. We're getting five There's players. There's no whispers anymore. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, yeah, these they brought out all three linebackers at the same exact time. So you had to pick. Am I going to Leighton? Am I going to Mike? Am I going to Keanu Neal? And so uh, the things that stand out are going to obviously be stuff like that because he was clearly passionate about it. But it's just a different... It's just a different way of covering the team right now. Yeah, and I think that, like, the same thing with Micah. It's not that Micah's overreacting. These are the guys who are brought out. These are the people who are asking questions. And it is interesting when Micah, again, going back to what John's saying about their age, Micah is 22 years old. Yes, he's making a lot of money, and yes, he got his dream job. But he's lying in bed watching TV. His mom comes banging on the door being like, did you see this? Like, Jalen's not on the team anymore. And he said that was his welcome to the NFL moment. So, I mean, it is you're living your life in the in the fishbowl. I'm not saying that, like, oh, woe is them and this is so traumatic and Jalen's going to be just fine in Green Bay. And I think there are a lot of factors that went into this decision. But I think that it's helpful to have the context. All right. I mean, and he, he made the comparison, Leighton did, about us and our jobs. Yeah, that's uh, where I don't like it. Yeah, but do you know how many you. times in my life that I got woken up at night and somebody told me that one of my best friends in work got fired? Or, or the contract wasn't renewed. Somebody I worked with who may have been our main sports guy or uh, my my weekend guy when I was the main sports guy. I mean, that stuff happens every day in real life. 
to all of us. Now, you're right, they do live in more of a fishbowl, and everything is public, um, but it happens to everybody. Let's get to Micah, uh, because Micah may be even more interesting and maybe a little more troublesome to some of you. I don't, I don't know. It's a bit troublesome to me. In fact, I'm going to call it Micah's first chink in his armor. He's been perfect since he's been a cowboy. And this could be a little chink in his armor, and I'll explain in a minute. He is going nuts on Twitter. He is uh, using social media to, again, maybe lash out a bit. Maybe Landon was lashing out a bit because he's buddies with Jalen, and it hurt. And, and I get that. And he pointed out that Jalen gave Dan Quinn a message for him to give to the team, and he did. And so they're hurt that their buddy got booted. I get it. Maybe they're both lashing out. Let's discuss in a minute. But here's, here's some fun that Micah has had on Twitter. He comes out with a, uh, his first quote yesterday. Quote, uh, people have been looking. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. That's the wrong one. It's sad how many so-called analysts go on and talk bad about players and have no idea WTF they are talking about. That was a tweet from Parsons. Uh, he had another one, quote, stop asking my football position. Now I just play football. That one's a little different. And then he got in a fight with an alum here of Cowboys Media, Emmanuel Acho, who was doing a film breakdown on Fox Sports 1 of Micah and Jalen, what they were doing wrong when Darnold scored a touchdown. And Parsons goes after him. Now, this is a former linebacker in the NFL. I don't think you have any idea what you're talking about. And once again, this is a horrible take. And Emmanuel got back to him and said, the big eye in the sky don't lie. My job is to make television. Your job is to make tackles. Keep doing you. I'll do me. And Parsons answered him, all I'm saying, don't post stuff on social media. That's not true. And his point was that you don't know the obligations we had as players on that play. Uh, which we've heard from media members our whole media lives. Don't talk about something you don't know about. Um, if Mike is going to become a Cole Beasley, sorry, Cole, you've earned that, or a Des Bryant, and goes on Twitter and attacks people who are analyzing the Cowboys games, chink in his armor. Yeah, I don't Possibly. I don't, I don't see it that way at all. I think it's that, again, he's a young kid. He might not react the same exact way five years from now. But as of right now, I mean, I just know, I just know in the business we're in, I just see on Twitter, <laughs> I almost, I want to say names here, but I'm not going to. Like how, Please do. How, how that, how that. Is Jory one of them? No. Oh. How that they can't even handle when a fan will say like, oh, you guys are doing this because, you know, you're just sucking up to Jerry or whatever. And they think they know what we do and they don't have an idea and there's media members that will fire back at these fans, and I'll be like, "Why? Why are you wasting your time? Like, you're not, you know, it's it, it's not worth it." And these are people that are much older than Micah Parsons. Like, there's only so much that you can handle, especially when you believe that what this person is saying is completely wrong. I mean, when it's something that your whole life is dedicated to, and you're in these meetings, and you were in the right spot 
and some guy on the TV show who wasn't in that room is saying, oh, I played in the NFL. You were supposed to be here. I can see how you can get real passionate, and especially when you're an elite player okay. like Micah, and you can't compare him to Cole Beasley because Cole Beasley never has ever made the impact that Micah Parsons is making. Cole Beasley would be the third wide receiver on that team, and then he'd go and, and he'd tweet a lot of stuff, and then obviously now it's taken to another so level. So you're saying if they're Buffalo, a really good player, they can do whatever do, they want on Twitter? I mean, not whatever you want. I mean, you can't be sitting there you know, threatening people's lives and, and, yeah. and doing things like that and, and saying inappropriate things like that. But if you want to sit there and defend your team, defend the way a play went, defend a teammate who just got traded, yeah, do whatever you want. I mean, that's today's age. These these kids, you know, social media is like all part of their lives. Like they've dealt with this their entire, this isn't anything new. Like to us, you know, I mean, I'm going to be 40. I mean, it's still kind of a relatively, you know, last 10 years, 15 years thing for me. This has been their entire lives. That's how that they're going to be. I still don't think Micah Parsons will respond the exact same way 10 years from I, now. Real quick, Jory, I, I want to, before we hear from you on this, I, I want to say this. Uh, media members, uh, you know, this is important to Acho too. This is what he does now for a living, and he takes it very seriously. They never think of that. Um, and I love social media. It's less damaging than mail used to be. I led the league in hate mail when I criticized Tony Romo. Criticized him and got hundreds of hate letters. And, and let me make this point. The one guy who was never bothered by any of my criticism of him was Tony Romo. He gets it. He used to come up to me and goes, hey, I get it. I get it. You got a job to do. That's part of it. I'm the quarterback of the Cowboys. Say whatever you want. But none of your hate mail was seen by anybody else other than you. That's because I'm not, I'm not like that reporter. If Emmanuel Acho sent a letter to Micah Parsons, and Micah Parsons went and got a stamp and wrote a letter back to him, we wouldn't even know this is going on. But that stuff is out there for everybody to see, so everybody can can share whatever. I'm sure there's tons of letters that people wrote to you that if you if that was done on Twitter, there'd be a lot of people that have been like, wow, these people are insane. I can't believe that. And then there's a lot of stuff that they probably wouldn't say because it is on Twitter, but I think a personal letter is way different than social media. I think I would say two things. The first is that I hope that as we build this relationship with with these players and we try and tell stories of guys like Micah and Trayvon and et cetera, that everyone can keep in mind that there is a difference between those of us who are out here having these conversations every day and then trying to write, whether it's news or analysis or features. Yes, always has been that way. who is going on a radio or a TV show nationally or locally to give their opinions and to stir up a conversation. Both are okay and there's room for entertainment, analysis, information. But you just got to say that because I think it can be frustrating when we end up getting the brunt of that. Well, you've got to own up to it. You've got to stand there in in our in my day. Now you guys haven't been able to do this for a couple of years now. But oh, yeah. no, stand please. there in the locker room and just let them come to you. Oh man, yeah. I will never forget after the one game when Dez just lost it on all of us, and it was because of some random like it wasn't even like a, a, a Cowboys vlogger. It was just a fan tweeted something. <laughs> fix it, Rich. <laughs> and and he like I mean. We were pretty. We were pretty scared. There was a, there was a group of us that were like, I don't. I don't think he's mad at me, but I mean, pacing back and forth, like screaming at, at a group of us. You, and it's like, dude, he was Dez. Try Jay Ratliff coming at well, you in the locker room at six foot. What was he, rookie? Six foot eight, three hundred and whatever pounds of fury. Whoo! But I think another thing I would say is that it's interesting you say that he didn't handle this well because. Micah's last response to Emmanuel, he ends by saying, all I'm saying, as you mentioned, don't post stuff on social media that's not true until you actually know the coverage and job obligation of each player on the field, because actually me and Jalen was right. So what I think is actually 
a win and something I would give him credit for is he's not saying an Anthony Brown was wrong or Leighton was out of place or Casey should have been here. Like he's not throwing his teammate under the bus to try and defend himself. But I and I'm not saying that we know for sure. Again, as he said, I don't know their obligations, but it is possible that they weren't the ones who blew the coverage. And there are times we're talking to Dan Quinn and we're like, Anthony Brown looked like he didn't make that. And he's like, yeah, but Donovan Wilson over here tripped on the play. So Anthony actually was in the right place. And there's only so much you can do in real time. So I will say that although it is a slippery slope engaging on social media, I think there's also a difference if Micah had been going after Joe Schmo with four fans versus someone who has experience with the Cowboys organization and a national following. Um, And I don't think... I, I think that I'm a little bit interested in the way he went about this attack and not just the attack. And if you're saying, going back to John's point about how good he plays, do I personally think it's productive and healthy for my life to do this? No, that's not my style. Do I think that the Jalen Ramseys and the Dezes and all those of the world for a while were able to play productively and go after that? I mean, yeah, that's just kind of how they are. And if it works for them and if it fuels their fire, I don't think that it's going to be causing a problem in the locker room. Well, I just think passion is wonderful. Um, and you always want I, – I love passionate people, always have. Um, be as passionate as you need to be in whatever job you're doing and, and, and show that. But – uh, and and the, these young players, like you said, are so much more used to social media than the previous generation that it's just normal stuff now. But still, all he had to do was be nice to Emmanuel. All he had to do, instead yeah. of going after him, is no. say, hey, dude, no. you played the game. I it, could not disagree with you. That was not my coverage. And one and, and or, or do what your what what players should do, and if they pay attention and listen, you'd like this media member because they're on their toes. This one not so much. This one, and just put it in your in your mind. Okay, Acho is somebody that I don't think is any good. But at but it, uh, take that away. <laughs> what if he is wrong about that? What if Acho is wrong about it? And and, and Micah's like. Yeah, that's not right, and he really believes. Then that. just ignore him. So and, you're and again, to let people tell mistruths about you if that's what's going well, on. Yeah, you can't attack everybody who. But he's is not. Go- again, he's not Joe Schmo on the street. He's not going on a national television show and saying this. And Mike is saying, "I don't want the national narrative to be something I think is false." Well, I don't think it's no. Yeah, uh, to me, it's worrisome if a player is going to go after any media member saying anything about. I think him. attack is strong. I don't think it was an attack. But th- like you say, the whole world can see it. Yeah. He- he's getting nitpicky. Oh, no, leave me alone. Leave me alone. You're wrong. Uh, come on, man. This is the big leagues. It's the big leagues. Acho's doing his thing on a big stage. You could honestly he's doing make- his thing on a big stage. It j- just roll over. Forget it. Okay? It- maybe he tells Landon. How do you know he man, hasn't rolled- Acho's an idiot. How- he doesn't know what he's doing. How how you know he hasn't rolled over That's 125 late. other times? And this is just the one time that, like, how do you know he hasn't let, let a lot of stuff go, but there's just one time? I mean, you can't be perfect all the time. I don't, I don't see a pattern here where he's doing this okay. all the time. He's having a bad week on Twitter, I think. Now, again, it may just be lashing out because he's hurt. But if he's going to become this guy on Twitter... Chink in his armor. Eh. That's my opinion. You know, you know what other image comes to mind with this? It's just a little bit unrelated. But when I think of what Mike is doing now and how the locker room would respond, I think of that Cowboys at Washington game last year when Andy Dalton gets hit really hard by John Bostick, suffers that concussion, the offensive line doesn't go after him. And it's the type of thing where I'm not wired to like fight and engage in violence. But that's kind of the game these guys are playing. And so Mike being like, I'm going to stand up for my teammates 
current and past, like, I could see guys liking that and being like, look, he's trying to make sure that this guy isn't going out with a name like this. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, Romo's mother didn't even know me, and she hated me. She hated me. That is not useful. Your son is the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, and you're worried about what a schmuck like me is saying on the pregame show? Come on. Well, she probably thinks, and again, that's her thats her <laughs> son. On. That's a little bit different. <laughs> I mean, and she probably thinks that what you're saying is having an impact on other people that are watching your show, and she doesn't want people to think that way. Well, what did you d- say? You're darn right it did. What did you say, Steve? <laughs> well, t- Tony was way too good not to win anything. I-, I will stand by that until the end of my days. When his expectation is up here and he's an elite quarterback and all he won was two playoff games, he deserves a little criticism, and he agrees Talk to him today. Now, it wasn't all his fault, but he was the quarterback. Um, All right, let's get to uh, our final segment here on Media Mash on this Thursday. Jory's going to be the big star in this segment. Man, she wrote a story uh, that is kind of neat. It's about Dak and a new friend as we talk about Dak reliving the Giants game almost exactly a year ago uh, next on Media Mash. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with United Ag and Turf. Before you can park yourself in front of the game, park yourself in a John Deere and power through your chores. Our Land Run package is a 1025R, 25-horsepower tractor with a loader, rotary cutter, and a box blade for $229 a month. And the price you see is the price you'll pay. No surprises. So don't miss another kickoff. Visit unitedagandturf.com. Offer ends February 1st, 2021. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Now let's get to work. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. To Media Mash. Steve Dennis, Jory Epstein, USA Today, writing a fabulous feature story today, which we'll get into in just a minute. John Mishota from The Athletic, our threesome today. We hope everything's okay with Nick Eatman. We'll get back with him next week. All right, so here we go with Dak against the Giants, which is a mouthful. First of all, because, and I'll get this out of the way, he owns them. He just ridiculously owns them. Seven and two in nine games, 
2,367 yards, 17 touchdowns against him, both most against any opponent. He has thrown for three or more touchdowns in four of the nine games against him. When the Giants are in town, get ready for the Dak show. That's point number one. Point number two, he's got the big anniversary on his mind, which you guys just, you bad media, just keep bringing that up all week in front of him. Well, on the Giants point real quick, I mean, and not, this is nothing against Dak, but like, Dak's been playing in the league since 2016. Like, how good have the Giants been since 2016? Not very good. And I mean, Jason Garrett's greatest strength as a head coach here in that stretch was just besting the NFC East. I mean, he knew how to prepare his team so well for the division, and it was the out-of-division and out-of-conference opponents that were the problem then. Yeah, Dak's, Dak's great against the entire NFC East, not just not just the, the Giants, but I just don't think the Giants have been very good uh, for the majority of the time that Dak's been the quarterback. So that, that not, probably factors in a little bit. It's not their greatest era. <laughs> it's not the NFC East greatest era. <laughs> and either. it continues. Uh, th- that is for sure. We'll get a little more specific about the Giants here. But uh, to the anniversary idea... Um, which is probably uncomfortable for Dak. We talked about this yesterday. I think it would be difficult for him uh, to that for that to be top of mind to everybody. Um, it's just to me, it's bad karma to even talk about it. Let's just play the game. And uh, but I know that's not the way it works. Nice stories and reactions are written about it. It, it was a horrible moment, and he's overcome it. And now he has to sort of revisit it because the NFL decided to play the Giants almost exactly. On the one-year anniversary of it. Yeah, I mean, the NFL knew what it was doing with the storyline. We argued that yesterday. Michelle and I don't believe that. Oh, 100%. um, I don't know that I didn't – I don't believe it. I think the thing – I believe the word I used is sick. sick. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Sick of them to do that. that. It's one thing that, like I said, the the point I made was it's one thing to sit there and be like, hey, it would be really cool if Tom Brady sets the all-time passing record when he goes back up to Foxborough. It's another with like an injury like that and a gruesome injury that ended a guy's season to be like – Hey, well, let's put that on the same day again. Everybody will be talking about him. His That's injury. why you're a big fan of his podcast, right there. That is exactly the point. No, I think it's. I'm not saying that they should have done this, but when you look at the way this NFC, East, I mean, it's not like oh, they need to get all these NFC East games in right now. No, they have like this is their last one till I believe December, maybe the very last weekend of November. This is it's one day short of the anniversary. Same place, same team. This is not so. So to your word, sick, which I think is a perfect word. I picture whoever that dude is or dudette who is making the schedule. Going, oh, look at here, look at here. This October day will be 364 days. Let's put the Giants in so, there. I would so say- Dak has to put up with questions about it the entire week. That is indeed sick. Well, he was going to have to put up with questions whenever they played the Giants again. But if it wasn't the year anniversary, it wouldn't be a giant deal. I think because of Jason Garrett being on the sideline, I think it was it's still going to be. It was just like everything about that. I think yeah. it was going to be a big deal. And I think the longer you're around this, like, the longer you realize, like, People do things like that not intending to be sick. Maybe I'm just too charitable here, but like I could see someone being like, oh, that would probably be meaningful. He could fully have his closure and redemption and thinking that's what they were oh, doing. Oh, that's so sweet for you. Why don't you have way. your closure, closure and redemption like week one and get it over with? Like that's when I had, yeah, like me as a reporter, that's when my, when I saw Dominican Sue land on him at, yeah. as he got the throw off, I was like, yeah, he's, he's good. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you have a spinal injury and lose both your legs, the the time to revisit is when you're first up and walking again. Hey, look, you can walk on your legs again. That's a big moment. The year anniversary, 
course, I hate our anniversaries anyway. We do it with everything. Do you remember yours typically? <laughs> oh, which ones? Your wedding. Oh, absolutely. You can't forget that. I forget the how many. I'm in the 40s now, and I've kind of lost track of, well, not marriage, but anyway. Um, do you think she listens to the show? <laughs> not a chance in hell. Not a chance. <laughs> she used to watch me play golf in high school. She wouldn't watch. She would rather eat dirt than watch me hit a golf shot now. Wow! And she used to be out there all cute with the, with my little Ohio State jacket on. That's it all went downhill after you got that O on your keyboard. Well, that was my daughter's fault. And by the way, we haven't heard from our daughter all week. That, she listening? That little girl is on my nerves. I can guarantee you. There's no listening. chance that she's listening. <laughs> no, no, I, no think, I think that if she just figures if she listens to your podcast, she doesn't have to call her text. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's got the big Maryland homecoming game this weekend. Okay. That she. All right, let's get the jury here. Let's get the jury's genius. You wrote a story that you just put on Twitter today. I assume it's in the USA Today tomorrow. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> We'll see. It wasn't already. What do you mean? It's, they're not going to not put it in the presentation. We live they? in a web world, Steve. Web first. I, I All you care is the, about the web? You don't care about well, the jury? Like I'm making the decisions. I made sure to BCC. I hope my editors don't listen to this, and if they do, it'll be funny. I made sure to BCC the print guy on the email when I filed this. Nice. Yeah. I don't think Jory's I family members need the print copies of this. That's <laughs> nice. Uh, the story has to do with Dak's anniversary, but it, it, but it was a lovely story about his anniversary. Quick synapses from Jory Epstein. Well, thank you, first of all, Steve. I appreciate you saying that. But, yeah, so I it, – it turns out that after Dak got hurt last year, and it was giant safety Logan Ryan who made the tackle. And it wasn't – I mean, it was a routine tackle. It was Yankees trying to hurt him. Um, Logan felt terrible, and he understood the contract implications. Logan had actually broke his own leg a couple years earlier, and during that time really dove deep into the Kobe Bryant mentality. Read Kobe's biography as well as a book called Relentless by Tim Grover, who trained Kobe, among others. And so Logan had his publicist send back a letter wishing him well, and those two books are sort of like, I've got your back. I want you to know I'm rooting for you in this rehabilitation. So I talked to Dak, I talked to Logan, and I talked to Tim Grover, that trainer, about what it meant that Dak was using this because, again, when you send a guy, especially a guy who's the quarterback of the Cowboys, these books, you don't know, will he ever read it? Will they resonate with him? And Dak has said that this book, Relentless, and studying the greats and understanding how they performed at their best and how they came back from injury as he dealt with that really impacted his mentality and helped inspire him. Was it his only source of inspiration? No, but I think it I think it was definitely a key one. And I'll end it off by saying that um, Logan said he's like, this was bigger than Cowboys Giants. That's just absolutely wonderful. And what's even more wonderful than that is somebody went to the Giants locker room today and asked Logan Ryan about sending the books and should he get payback from Dak? And he goes, yeah, just have him throw it right to me on the first pass and that'll be payback enough. But Yeah, Giants price to lose by 10. But sorry, go on. Didn't mean to pay off. <laughs> that, uh, that, that is a nice comment from Logan Ryan, too. Uh, Logan Ryan, uh, in the back end of this Giants defense, uh, had nine tackles against the Saints last week. Giants played... Well, they won for the first time, and who knows really what the Saints are week to week. But I think the Giants played their best game of the year, and they're starting to come. Saquon Barkley had a Saquon Barkley type of game where he caught it for 74 yards, ran it for 50-some, and two touchdowns, one each. Uh, Daniel Jones threw for 400 yards. 
Uh, he's averaging 296 per game. I mean, the Giants, Galladay, finally, 116 yards. They look like they've got a number one receiver, and that was the intention when they threw all that ridiculous money at him. Uh, are the Giants kind of coming a little bit? for this matchup against the Cowboys. I think it's tough to say off of just one game, mainly because, like you said, it's you just really don't know what the Saints are. You're basing a lot just off of the Saints. You know, If you think the Saints are absolutely for real, then yeah, then this is a big step. But you need more than just one game to say, okay, now they're starting to click. And so, you know, like I think I said yesterday, I, I do think that this is Mike McCarthy loves this because if they lose that game, then then it's like I could see the Cowboys kind of just like, yeah, whatever, it's the Giants. They're 0-4 or whatever. But they come back and they win this game in New Orleans like that. Like that's going to raise some eyebrows. Like, man, we better take them serious. Not to mention the fact that they're – I don't think that they're happy with how much Sam Darnold ran all over them, particularly with the touchdowns he scored. And you know Daniel Jones can do that, too. So mm-hmm. I think that this probably brings a little bit of extra focus because of where they're at. But I need to see a, I need to see more from the Giants to believe, like, oh, no, they've turned this corner, and, and, and here we go. This team's for real. Jory, why didn't Mashoda or somebody else, while you were writing about Logan Ryan, write about big, bad Jason Garrett coming back to AT&T big, Stadium? John, we well, covered this team for a long time. When was the last time you heard the adjectives big bad before Jason Garrett? <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> big bad. I was just going to say. Jason Garrett. Bringing that hot offense. I'm in a subscription business. I try to write about things that I think will get subscriptions. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Very well said. Uh, no, nobody's going to write about big bad Jason Garrett, but. Uh, oh, no, I'll, I'll have a little rookie. something in my, note, my, my notebook on Saturday, but I didn't, I'm, I'm talking like, I mean, we're past the like, like, for the athletic, for me to write something in the middle of the week, it's gonna have to be like you know fifteen hundred words, at least a thousand. And so, <laughs> what is there to really write about this? That oh, that that things aren't going well for Jason Garrett in as the offensive coordinator. Like, how many Cowboys fans really want to read that? No, they don't. Know? And I did ask Amari today. I'm like, look, it's been a couple of years, but do the guys on the defense still ask you like, how do we prepare for a Jason Garrett offense? And he's like, yeah, not really. No one's asked me. I think they've asked Dak. But I also think what's interesting is that I think. I mean, this is Jason Garrett is hardly the only coach in the league who has very close ties and understanding to another team that's very common in the NFL. That said, I actually think it helped him a lot more last year than it would this year because when you look at this defense, this is such a different defense, particularly with personnel, than they had in his time with the Cowboys. So, you know, I, I, the big bad Giants offense, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that that's that's a reach, but. Andrew Thomas, number fourth pick in the 2020 draft, is playing good football at left tackle for them. Uh, you know, the Kadarius Tony sort of had his final coming out. Of course, Shepard's hurt and Slay's hurt, but Tony had a game against the Saints. They've got some pieces. Uh, they can be a problem. I think on offense they can be a problem, but I just think even if the defense can do a little bit, I don't think their defense is equipped to handle what this Cowboys offense has become. And their defense is underachieving. Bradbury's playing horrible. If you tell me the Giants win this game, I would say the most likely 
the, well, no, I, I was going to say the most likely scenario is that we see that little bit of the Cowboys from last year that we haven't seen this year yet, and that's where they, they're turning the ball over. Dak throws a couple picks, Zeke fumbles, some stuff like that. We did see it a little bit. We thought we thought we saw it with Dalton Schultz. Turns out, though, that uh, he goes to church with several of these reps. No, I'm, no but it, it looked like you were getting a little bit back to that. I'm wondering if that game happens in the near future that where it's just like, you know, sometimes stuff just happens. You know, you cough the ball up a couple times, and all of a sudden you're giving them extra possessions, and, and things start going in their way. Way. But if the Cowboys' offense doesn't turn the ball over, to Jory's point, I don't think that this this Giants' defense can can shut them down. See, yeah. I think another thing is I don't fully trust this Cowboys' defense on the field yet. They still have places with liabilities. They still have a problem with the deep ball and letting up big plays. But when I think about the like if I'm going to war with these guys, if I'm out there on this defense this year versus last year, which is a good thing I'm not, that sounds terrifying, then like knowing that if Saquon takes off, a guy like Mike is out there to come after him, or that if Daniel Jones tries to try something tricky with Saquon, Trayvon Diggs might make him pay. Like you have guys you can depend on to make plays now. And even if we can't expect Trayvon to make to intercept a pass or two every single week, there are guys they have to be concerned about. See, I would be concerned about all the questions about Dak's anniversary maybe in his head. And then you have then maybe he spits Steve. he spits the ball up. No, this, this no. defense is if if this defense was, I was like let's say oh I don't know let me think of a defense oh I don't know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that they opened up with that was that to me was the measuring stick everything about that game when I saw how he played in that game I didn't care about any of the, the story I mean. Right. No offense to I understand it's a great storyline, but I didn't care after I saw that game because that's the best competition. That's on the road. That's a late, late game situation against the GOAT. Like they're getting and the Super Bowl rings. And if you want to talk about his mental toughness and ability to have the mental clarity and not think about the ankle, the first play of that game, not only does he complete that 28 yard pass to Amari Cooper, he audibled on that play. So, like, he had plenty of clarity on what's going Calm on. Calm down. I was only kidding. Okay, but Clarence isn't here, so someone's got to yell. <laughs> yeah, and, and let's keep in mind when he audibled on that play, he audibled to empty behind a center that clearly there's been some issues there in his first game. So And he was, what, on the two-yard line? It's not like he had a whole lot of room for errors. i got to throw an audible. We're, we're done. we got to be done. Uh, <laughs> but I want to say this as a final thought. The only thing that I would worry about in the Giants game at 325 Sunday – as Jason Garrett loved to say, the sunlight coming into eyes. <laughs> well, the we lot, haven't dealt a lot, with that yet. A lot of yes. people. Yeah, it's time. I like crazy this. on that. No, I would be concerned that everything's going great, and when everything's going great, usually the opposite happens for a minute. That would be the only thing. Oh my God, everything is going great. Uh, this team is awesome. They're gonna they're gonna win the Super Bowl by three touchdowns, and then boom, here come the Giants. Uh oh. And you know what I would say to that? That's the only reason I would be concerned. Last year I kept saying, like, once the Cowboys show us they can overcome adversity, then we'll believe it. And, again, I'm not saying no guys overcame it in little pieces, but as a whole. This year, no Michael Gallup, no Lael Collins, no Demarcus Lawrence. Oh, wait, you need to finish up on the road against the Chargers. Oh, you go into halftime down against the Panthers who have the top defense and come out and score 23 unanswered points or whatever that was. I think they've shown that yes, there will probably be a moment or two in the game. I don't that they could have a, a turnover, or some other issue, and then get over it. Okay. Yeah, they know how to get over. Right. it. They, they've shown such a difference in their ability to get over it this year than last. All year. right, this, this team reminds me of fourteen. And Did 16. you not hear me say we have? No, to this be is done? an important point. This team reminds me of fourteen and sixteen, and in fourteen and sixteen, they didn't have those issues like that. Those are the best two teams right. that they've had in the last decade, Until and that's the what this team reminds me of. <laughs> 
But they have the coach now that was hired to get them okay. past that in the playoffs. All right. And uh, the last, last thing I'll say is just if you want a nice feel-good That was note, his last thing. I know. But this is why it's the last. Okay. last. Okay. You want a nice feel-good note to end it? Amari Cooper basically was, message today was like and everybody's friends whether you're new whether you're old whether you're offense your defense we're all friends oh that's that's a good way to end the show jory epstein you're awesome Michelle, you're awesome thanks steve, you're awesome thanks for you letting me awesome, chat steve. cowboys with you and i steve's wife if you're listening you're <laughs> awesome. chris beam thank you for what you do i think i'm gonna go home and take this block o off of the o on my laptop there's no way no i'm not <laughs> Go Bucks! Everybody have a good weekend. We'll talk Go to you Bucks. next week. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!